Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am stuck in the Welcome to the Dick Morris Show, sponsored by Patriot Gold Group. Welcome, everybody, and uh, Dick Morris indeed, but uh, I'm the surprise host, I guess, of the day. I'm Lou Dobbs, filling in for Dick Morris, my great honor, and in honor of Dick, we're going to be talking a lot of politics today. We're going to talk a little business, too, if you don't mind, and we're going to be talking with you, because I I find that to be the most interesting part of uh, uh, my appearances on radio, is getting the opportunity to uh, interact and to talk with folks who uh, live day in and day out with all of the consequences of the policies that take place in the swamp. And those policies and those consequences are, uh, well, reaching orders of magnitude beyond, I think, anyone could have imagined even five years ago. Uh, again, Lou Dobbs filling in for Dick Morris, and it's my great pleasure to be with you. The news uh, never stops here on WABC, and that's one of the reasons I love WABC and the great people who make up uh, 77 WABC Radio. So I want to talk, if I may, uh, at the beginning at least here, uh, about uh, politics and to get a sense of uh, your thinking as well during the course of uh, this hour, uh, a sense of what you're making of all of the politics. We hear it from the savants and the uh, the strategists uh, and the even the office holders, uh, we don't often hear it straight, but we hear it. And so I'd like to hear from you straight today what you're thinking, what you're feeling as we're trying to figure out what is going on in this country. I happen to run into a lot of folks uh, in the course of my work, and I am invariably asked, what do you make of all of this? Now, I have to start out with, a, I think, a, a bit of a, uh, a straightforward answer to that. I have no idea what's going on right now in this country of ours. Uh, I have a sense, uh, but a, a formed idea and understanding that's explicit in cause and effect as to what's happening. Broadly, yes. Specifically, no. And I don't know of anyone, by the way, no matter what you hear on the radio or on podcasts, who really understands clearly and confidently what is happening. So we, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about it in terms of demographics, in terms of markets. We'll talk about what little we do know about the motivations in Washington, D.C. right now. One of the extraordinary things, and I don't know how you feel about this, but Donald Trump, whatever you may think of him, if you have Trump derangement syndrome or you're a Trump MAGA America first uh, supporter to the nth degree, one thing no one ever complained about Donald Trump, when he was president, was access. No one 
ever had to worry about getting an answer from Donald Trump about any question, and I don't care what day it was that you uh, put the question forward to him, whether it was the professional media who cover the the White House, or whether it was just uh, someone uh, at a rally coming up to say, go, Mr. President. He had an answer for everything. People certainly had different views on what the, those answers were uh, in, in terms of how, they, how much they loved them or detested them. But the reality is, access was assured. This is a man who spoke from the heart. He spoke straightforwardly. He, you may have noticed, uh, if you ever covered or watched uh, one of his, uh, his rallies anywhere in the country at any time, his address to the nation... He is, he's not holding a, a bunch of five by eight cards wondering what his writers had for him to say. Uh, he speaks directly, forthrightly, and I think that's one of the reasons he's immensely popular uh, with working men and women, the middle class of this country, uh, to go to uh, our Dick's theme song here, uh, you know, caught in the middle. Uh, and he's delighted to be caught in the middle with the American people, the forgotten man and woman that, who put this country together. Uh, who make up our middle class and the and the folks who are working day in and day out to become part of that middle class and others who are working desperately right now just simply to stay in it. But to look at what's happening in this current White House, again, I don't know about you. I hope we find out uh, your thoughts here today as we as we talk. We're going to be talking uh, with you on 800-848-WABC. Write that number down if you have it already. 800-848-922. That's 800-848-WABC. And as we we go through the show, I'm I'm going to bring to you, I hope, a couple of things that uh, you'll find interesting to consider and to think about. Uh, But amongst them are the demographics that are changing in this country, Amongst them, the condition of the economy that we are in, as best uh, as best data and an empirical uh, constructs can make that understandable. If that's all there were to understanding the direction of an economy and the likely consequences of economic policies, we would have no problem. We would just feed all the data into a, a computer, wouldn't we? And we'd uh, we'd wait for the printout, and uh, there we'd be. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Uh, they, we try to be uh, as, as predictive uh, as we can uh, in dealing with economics and business and markets. But the truth is we still have a huge human factor. And nature and, uh, <laughs> and humanity itself can be a little unpredictable, we've all noticed. So we're going to try to take that up with some perspective. And I want to introduce a word here, if I may. I just thought it would be interesting today to talk about proportionality and what you think in as you watch media uh, what is their sense of proportion are, are they giving you the straight dope uh, are they talking to you straight or is there a package sort of homogenized uh, sense of it all uh, that one thing is no more important than the other uh, a uh, a bank robbery uh, in the local mall uh, perhaps shootings are at the same consequence and interest to the to the purveyors of news uh, as to their audience. I, I personally don't think so. I think that the national news media has lost a lot of things, including uh, considerably uh, it, its authenticity and its uh, permission by the audience to bring truth 
I think also their owners have uh, limited seriously their ability to speak truthfully and honestly to the American people. And I'd like to discuss that with you and get your sense of it all. Uh, and as we look at that proportionality issue, what is what is the ranking of importance in this country? It can't be that accessibility that I was talking about with President Trump, for example, because President Biden is inaccessible as any president has been. Uh, his uh, his uh, what would I call him? His avatar, uh, perhaps uh, his master in some minds, uh, Barack Obama. Uh, he was not particularly accessible uh, on a person-to-person basis with our White House press corps. As a matter of fact, he was spying on many of them, uh, had his uh, attorney general doing so. Uh, and perhaps that is going on at the same time here, because there's so much surveillance in our surveillance and police state uh, that it's really become, that uh, it's hard to compare Biden to Obama and to sometimes understand where one uh, leaves off and the other picks up. Uh, and we might take up that issue. How, do you think this perhaps is the third term of Barack Obama? I don't think that's such a radical idea or possibility. It's uh, entirely uh, uh, imaginable. Uh, let's see if it's uh, at least uh, partly believable and provable uh, as we take up this hour. It's it's really it's really fun to be here with you. I have to tell you that this is it's been a while since I've been speaking on the radio uh, directly live, uh, coming to you from WABC, uh, and I, I just I have to tell you I am thrilled with the opportunity. I'm flattered to have been uh, asked, and I want to talk about again uh, where we are and how we can best understand these times we live in. I mentioned the word proportion. Uh, there's another word that I would like to introduce for the hour, and that's dependency. Uh, and, and I bring that up because there is an issue of dependency that underlies all that we're talking about, whether it is in business, whether it's economics, whether it's markets, whether it is politics, whether it's ideology, uh, whether it is education, whatever aspect uh, of our society. We have to think about the issue of dependency and the degree to which those values that we founded this country on and which have been inculcated uh, throughout uh, every generation uh, since our founding uh, until arguably this one. Dependency is not an issue for most uh, discussions that you hear in public policy or in the uh, political arena. It's very important, though, to understand it because dependency relates to scarcity, which relates to demand, which relates to prices, which relates to markets, and markets relate, of course, to economies. And economies are always political economies, folks. Remember that. Always, always it's the political economy. I've worked uh, in uh, covering economics and business and markets throughout my career, and I'm, I'm proud to say, throughout my career, uh, I have always called it the political economy. There is no good way, an honest way, uh, and intellectually correct way to style uh, business and politics and economics and ideology without calling it what it is. It is a political economy. And I think that that is uh, something that everyone needs to, to understand. 
it is, um, we've reached a period, by the way, where <laughs> philosophically uh, and in terms of economic theory, we have a society built on capitalism and it's been wildly successful. And suddenly from the fringe and from the margins, we're watching something called uh, Revcom grow up, uh, a group uh, demonstrating recently in, in California. And, I, and I'm watching their earnest protests against capitalism and the society that uh, that they inhabit, uh, telling everyone in uh, in a uh, public meeting that they're going to change that for the better. And I can't think of an instance in which capitalism, capitalism itself has failed to produce greater wealth. I can't think of an instance in which, without uh, without exception, Communism has failed to introduce great pain, misery, the loss of millions of lives, hundreds of millions of lives in point of fact. And all of that seems to be the public arena is devoid of that knowledge and that understanding. And I think in this hour, I'd like to talk with you about that. I hope uh, and I hope to hear what uh, is most on your mind as we take up these issues And I'd like to compare some of what's happened over the course of the last 30 years in this country and try to understand as best we can as we discuss this issue uh, what happened along the way. I I, I was talking with my wife recently, uh, and I I said, where are the parades? What happened to the parades? We had a wonderful parade in New York City in 1991. General Norman Schwarzkopf returns from... The, the Middle East, with all of our, our soldiers and service members, and a proud parade through the uh, uh, Canyon of Heroes, and they were truly heroes. And I haven't seen a I haven't seen a, a, a company of military, whether they be National Guardsmen or reservists, uh, put forward on any major parade in the country. And I th- and I think to myself, what is happening in this country? When with these great moments of pride, so many of our children, and by the way, our children's children, are being denied that. And then the question becomes, is it an accident? Is it an accident that our military isn't in dress uniform marching down our streets on July 4th? If no other day. Uh, I would recommend a number of other days during the course of the year if if everyone wanted a parade. But it seems... Uh, you know, I feel very lonely on, the, on this issue. Well, my wife and I agree uh, on it. I, I think it's just wonderful to see those parades and to remind ourselves of what all of our service members and all of the veterans have done for this great country and what this country has done for the world. Because so much of America these days is talking about well, they're talking as if there was no good in the land, that there has, this is a, a nation that has uh, systemic issues, that uh, it's a nation that has no history. And there's a great argument, as you know, uh, about when history begins uh, in terms of the public uh, education system. And I'm a product, of, proud product of the public education system. Uh, my wife as well. Our kids have all gone to public schools. Uh, and uh, a couple of them went into a private school uh, instead of his, a high school. But I, I just don't understand how we've gotten to this point that we don't want, can't even agree on what our history is, whether it's a 1619 project, which is just bunkum in my opinion, 
I, I'm sure you have your own, and I'd love to hear it uh, right here. And let me remind you that number is 800-848-9222. 1-800-848-WABC. And uh, I'd love to have that discussion. I would love to uh, for you to introduce any subject you want, because I truly want to have a, if you will, a, uh, a, a meeting on this issue. We're calling a meeting right here on the Dick Morris Show. We want to have a confab about the issues that matter most, uh, your sense of the country's present, uh, its past, its future, because I think that, I think we all should be interested in each one of those issues, uh, because it is, in fact, uh, our lives uh, at, at risk here and our children's and their children. And we have too few people talking about proportion, in my opinion, Dependency, its influence on our society. Uh, it's, it is expressed in, in some instances when we hear the Republicans of late start talking about we, ha- we are once again a, a dependent nation on imported energy. Uh, but in the days of Trump, it, we were uh, energy independent. And that's mostly true. Uh, but there are huge qualifications to the, to that discussion as well, and, and they, and we should get into those. I, I also think we ought to ask ourselves what has happened to public education. I mentioned it. Uh, K through 12 is now a, a system that's in public education is just in a severe travail. Uh, we have uh, teachers unions that, in my opinion, are not in any way uh, supporting the students that uh, the teacher should be. Uh, and I don't think that it's quite fair that we see local school districts going up against organized labor uh, in, in, con- in contesting what will be the curriculum and what will be the values uh, taught in our public schools. We have, and there's another word I suppose we should talk about too, control. Who should be controlling our schools? Who should be controlling our communities? Who should be controlling our standards uh, in uh, in our communities? Should it not be a community standard? Should it not be the people who live there and work there rather than to have some sort of, uh, if you will, program handed down to us on high? By the way, that seems to be the idea from the left. And for the right, well, without Donald Trump's magnificent four years. The Republicans wouldn't have any ideas to offer, would they? Love to hear from you, and I'm delighted to be with you here on the Dick Morris Show. Welcome to the Dick Morris Show, sponsored by Patriot Gold Group. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. 
No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am stuck in the middle. Welcome to the Dick Morris Show, sponsored by Patriot Gold Group. Welcome back. I'm Lou Dobbs, sitting in for Dick Morris, and we're uh, we're having quite a conversation, I I think, uh, here on the <laughs> on the Dick Morris Show, looking at the, this list of callers. Let's get let's get this going. Let's uh, let's go to Daniel in the Bronx. Daniel, good to have you with us. Hi, Mister Dobbs. Thanks for taking my call. So the Federal Reserve is supposed to be independent. Um, but I think they're hurting the um, Democrats, especially in an election year. Daniel, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm having a very hard time hearing you. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah, that's better. Okay. So um, the Federal Reserve is independent, but I feel they're hurting the Democrats in an election year by raising the Fed funds rate by tightening the money supply. And Saudi Arabia is hurting the Democrats and Biden by cutting oil production output. And Daniel, I'm sorry. I, can, I cannot hear you. You're cutting in and out, and uh, I apologize for that. Uh, if you would stay with us, and, I, and we'll come back to you uh, as soon as we get that fixed, uh, and we'll uh, continue. Uh, let, let's go to uh, Joe in Long Island and see if we have better luck. Hello. Can you hear me Joe? now? Hello? I, I hear you. Okay, good. Uh, I wanted to call because I wanted to I ask you your opinion. You, I'm sorry. Hello? Yeah. I, I just wanted to express my frustration with the Republican Party and how it seems like they don't really care whether or not they win elections anymore. And I'll tell you why I say that. You have Biden running ads uh, during the Super Bowl, patting himself on the back. We're still cutting in and out. So uh, if we could, let's go to the next guest and see if we can uh, uh, do something uh, about that. Hey, Andrew and Stanhope, welcome to the uh, Dick Moore Show. Hopefully my signal's coming in clear. And uh, what you're talking about with policies and and I agree, like Trump's policies were better economically, just like Rudy Giuliani when he was mayor of the city than Ronald Reagan. So as uh, 9-11, somewhat of a survivor, and I had um, a part-time job at Windows on the World, and obviously I wasn't there that day. My coworkers were all killed in the attack, and there was, but there were also great experiences like driving in with the Nord police on the rescue mission and seeing the crowd cheering on the police. It was, you know, awe-inspiring, surreal. And I just want to say, you're right. So me being a survivor, I could fight against communism and the far left and fight for policies that lift all people of all races and creeds in America, which Trump did. He His policies helped minorities more than Ironically, the first African-American president, Obama, and incomes were up and funding of historically black colleges, the platinum plan with the job creation. So, like you talked about dependency, often with 
especially left-wing Democrats, they like to cause dependency so they get power over the people and then the people have to vote on them and the health care goes through them, the first drinks go through them. And lastly, if this is not a great country, why do people risk their lives? There were people in the port of Newark where the ships come in from China actually packed themselves in a crate with no bathroom. <laughs> they actually smuggled themselves into this country. That shows how exceptional it is, and I'm alive to fight for it. Thanks. Well, Andrew, I, I have to say, first of all, you know, September 11th, tomorrow, that we have a lot uh, to uh, to memorialize, to to read, to consider, uh, and to be grateful for uh, as we as we deal with still what is uh, for for many of us a very personal loss on that day, but for all of us it should be a, a day in which we commemorate uh, the victims uh, of that that great tragedy uh, and, and the people who who brought it visited upon us. Uh, and they were radical Islamists. Uh, we have gone through much over the course of time since that uh, that awful day. Uh, and still there's a hesitancy in our society to name the names of our enemies, uh, to uh, to talk about their origins. Is, uh, and to me, that's a shame. Uh, I was blackballed, by the way, you should know, by the Bush, uh, Bush White House, uh, because I insisted that we do name uh, the enemy, uh, as radical Islamists, uh, you know, it's to me it's facile to talk about a war on terror. Uh, it, it's like asking, uh, we're going to go to war against war. Uh, it, it's it, it was it is a conflict, uh, and the enemy should be certainly, I think, uh, understood and named. There was, I, I really do uh, believe that that was an important uh, and uh, a terrible mistake we made in not being very direct about it. Uh, and to understand that there isn't an equivalency in the Arab world between uh, Saudi Arabia uh, and uh, Iraq, between Shia uh, and Sunni. Uh, our understanding of the enemy was still uh, in its infancy at that point as a nation, uh, and that should have been one of the greatest efforts on the part of the Bush administration in particular, uh, in my opinion, uh, that they failed at. Uh, and we visited our wrath upon, frankly, the wrong target uh, when we went after Saddam Hussein. Uh, we should have, uh, we did actually uh, go after the enemy in Afghanistan, and then we withdrew and allowed the Al Qaeda uh, to to reemerge. Uh, it's you know, it's a host of mistakes that were made. But one thing this country did do right, and that is we did celebrate our heroes who tried to make uh, to make things, uh, if you will, to bring equity upon and justice upon those who had perpetrated the, the September 11th against us. It's and, and it's it is always just a bit too glib uh, when any of us says, you know, it, it's uh, we won the war. Uh, it's a war that we're still fighting, but in different ways. And it's a, it's a period in which, uh, we did, uh, we did achieve our, our ends, that is, in removing Saddam Hussein from, uh, from Kuwait. But that was the last war, as far as I'm concerned, that we won. Did we win the war on terror? Um, we'll see. At this point, it, we are at least, 
we know that we made significant progress, and it's been a tough and arduous battle. Uh, and we learned that uh, a doctrine by our military of, of fighting long wars uh, is is absolutely uh, absurd. Uh, but that's what our military followed for a very long time, and what we got was a long war in Afghanistan and still is seeking victory. Uh, I'm one of those that on September 11th, I assure you, uh, one of the things I, I, I pledge is that I, I will never support uh, going to war with our young men and women when there is not a vital national interest uh, in full view and absolute certainty that we are right and just in our purpose and in our missions. Uh, because I've uh, lived through Vietnam, uh, through uh, you know, the long wars of the, of the 90s and the, and the 21st century, and I, I think that's a lesson we all should recall. Uh, thank you very much for being with us here. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, let's, uh, let's go to, let's see, let's go to Sandra uh, in New Jersey. Oh, welcome to WABC, Lou Dobbs. Um, I wanted to say that Thank every you. Saturday, oh, you're welcome. Every Saturday night, I attend Dick Morris University. And last night, I watched his show, and it was really, really a very optimistic outlook on Trump and how he's doing. He's determined, he's charging ahead, he's extremely energetic. And the polls to date from him and his guest, Mr. McLaughlin, say that he's way up there. He's getting the votes from the Latinos, the black people, the young people who are running away from Biden in droves, and the uh, Hispanic people. So he's doing really, really well. So I ask myself the following. I say I'm worried with the indictments that are coming along and new people getting involved like Lynn, uh, Lindsey Graham and David Perdue and Senator Kelly Loeffler. You know, this is going to go on and on and on. And I worry, I won't get weary, but I worry that some people might and may decide not to stay as motivated as they are now. What do you think? I think, Senator, that's, that's a, certainly a reasonable concern and a valid one, and I, I'm sure shared by a number of people. But I love to hear you excited about uh, the optimism that Dick was uh, speaking of. And when you hear about the polling of John McLaughlin, you couldn't hear it from a better pollster. And President Trump is not a man who is going to uh, hunch his shoulders and uh, drop his head uh, at any point. He is going to fight through. The man's strength is enormous. Uh, his stamina is enormous. Uh, his strength. It's just... He is not a fellow you have to worry about on that uh, on that score. But what I do think that each of us who believes that he is the right man for 2024, the right president, uh, I think it's important that we do what we can to make certain that his support is obvious to him, uh, that he knows that he is not in this battle alone. Uh, the Republican Party, I believe, has been uh, bereft of the understanding that there is no, these, uh, you know, with all due respect, I'll just say this, with all due respect to the folks who are running for office uh, for the nomination, uh, they are, I'm sure, lovely people. They are great uh, people, uh, but they have no visible uh, basis to compare themselves to the talent and to the, the record uh, and the, the vision of President Donald Trump. I truly believe President Trump 
was the best president, certainly since, in my judgment, since uh, Abraham Lincoln. And I and I wrote a book about it called The Trump Century, about what he has done, irrespective of being reelected. His policies inform every aspect of the Republican Party. They He reintroduced the American working man and woman to the Republican Party. He pushed away from corporatist and elitist, globalist elites who have controlled and still do much of this country. Uh, he ran up against not only the Chinese as he sought balanced trade uh, in, in the world, which is exactly the right the right goal to have uh, under any theory of uh, well capitalist theory uh, of economics, and he was right. And every economics professor in the country uh, worthy of his or her degree in economics understood that he was right. But he was attacked simply on ideological grounds and a disaffection, if you will, with the very idea of going up against China and insisting on America's rightful place in the world. So, thank you for the call. Let me go. Let me go to uh, Bobby uh, in uh, Upper West uh, Westchester. Hello, Bobby. Hello. Hello. Whoa. Hello, Bobby. This, hello. Hello. I'm I'm here in New York City. Hello. Okay. Go for it. Do you hear me? Yes. I can. Okay, cool. So we are very fortunate to have you on the radio. What what do you think is going to happen in New York City? when uh, I'm sure you and your wonderful wife have been here in the dead of winter. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. What do you think is going to happen with these illegal... I I mean, this is like crazy. I'm I'm a homeowner, and my wife and I make a lot of money, but (laughs) we're like, we're, we're being taxed to death. Well, taxation, taxation without representation is a very real uh, concern, as, uh, as was proved by the founders of the of the nation. Uh, there's so much going on right now in New York City, a, a sanctuary city. Uh, everyone was so everyone on the left was so happy about New York being a uh, sanctuary city, until the people they were giving sanctuary took them up on the offer and started moving in here by the busloads. And suddenly, Bobby, I mean, you've got people saying, this is too much sanctuary. (laughs) But I don't hear anyone in the city saying, you know, we were just dead wrong. I don't hear Eric Adams saying, you know, I was a fool to think that this would work uh, and to go along with all of these preposterous policies. Because the the voter registration in the city is still better than seven seven or eight to one, Democrat to uh, Republican or Independent. And... Everybody needs to own this. If you don't want to be a sanctuary city, you have to say you don't want to have it anymore. But you can't be, as Eric Adams is doing, it seems to me, in any, with any form of intellectual honesty and integrity, say, well, we want, we want to ship them all to, te- to Texas. As Joe Biden is saying, keep all of the illegal immigrants in Texas and don't let them into any of our sanctuary cities 
there are what 11, 11 states that are including New York uh, and New Jersey that are sanctuary states, and they're the loudest. They're screaming the loudest right now, Bobby. It is absolutely, in one way, it's very, very amusing. Uh, on the other hand, when I listen to you and I and I think about all of the folks in New York, there's got to be intelligent leadership. I, I, I will say this straightforwardly. It hasn't had intelligent leadership since Michael Bloomberg, okay? Every, everything that has follow, followed Bloomberg has been preposterous and pretend leadership, and they've all been left-wingers. And left-wingers bring with them consequences, and unfortunately, we're all having to live through that. Let's all hope and work toward better times. We're taking a quick break. We'll be right back. The number is 800-848-WABC. And I'm what it is I should do. It's so hard to keep the smile from my face. This show is sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. This is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, Welcome to the Dick Morris Show, sponsored by Patriot Gold Group. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome back. Let's, uh, let's go to the, uh, let's go to the callers and, uh, Let's start with Tony in uh, in Clifton. Tony, welcome to the show. Hi, hi, Lou Dobbs. What a treat this morning! Boy, this is the best brunch Sunday I've ever had in a long time. You know, it's such a treat. Thank you for being here today. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. I wanted to just tell you that um, there's so many things going on, and I said, "What can I say to Lou Dobbs?" And I think what I want to say is this, and I'll, I'll make it short, and then you could comment. I, you know, have been putting things together, like one of the ways that we could sort of understand our world today is by putting it next to what was normal before. And so I do that with everything now. And you always get the sense that the world today is out of whack because it was never like that before, whether it's the Trump trials, whether it was, you know, um, 9-11 and how we treated it and now how we treat it and how we, you know, have a president who doesn't care about it and who might be pardoning those who caused it. Um, you know, it's amazing how our world is out of whack. And so I just wanted to tell you a short thing I thought about. When sure. I was at 9-11, I remember I got out of the city over the Brooklyn Bridge and we walked over the bridge. And so to me, I always remember that day, just from leaving the city and the exodus. And then I want to take you to January 6th, um, when we had the protesting, I will call it on January 6th, 
I remember one thing, and I want I want to tell you that, and then you could comment. I remember how on 9-11, we left the building, we left the city. No one back to the city for days because we were all concerned that we would be in harm's way. No one returned to the city. We were closed for, it could have been several days to a week. I don't remember how many days it was. But it was days before anyone went back to work in New York City. And I always wondered, Lou Dobbs, and you could tell me what you think, why on January 6th, if it was such a serious thing that happened, they were so concerned about being in imminent danger, did that night, only several hours later, did they call back at the Capitol to continue what was going on? Thank you, Lou Dobbs, for listening. Well, thank you very much. And uh, it's a terrific point. Uh, as I recall, in January, uh, on January sixth, there were, you know, that was a, that was a protest that went terribly wrong, and one of the reasons it went wrong, I'm fairly certain, is because uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Mayor uh, Bowser, uh, uh, refused National Guard. People need to remember that Donald Trump wanted 10,000 National Guards, uh, Guardsmen there uh, to make sure that everything was uh, in order and kept orderly. It, it was a disastrous, and I know that there are all sorts of conspiracy theories, and some of which are, are reasonably reasonable conspiracy theories, and some which are wildly uh, conspiracy theories. But there are various views that uh, some of it was contrived, and and, uh, and and I understand that. But the fact is that the people who were in charge of, uh, of maintaining order that day, and I'm talking about the Capitol Police, etc., uh, they all made huge mistakes. The intelligence that they got uh, and did not give, for example, to Stevenson, then the chief of police of the Capitol uh, Hill Police Department, uh, that was, you know, that was awful. Uh, there were great mistakes made, and they, and of course, the people who have the power to cover those mistakes are the same people who were making them. So that's never a good idea. Uh, Nancy Pelosi has never been forthcoming, nor, nor Schumer, uh, about their role in all of this. Nor has the FBI. Uh, and you know, that's just something that uh, that is, you know, what we have, what we have to deal with right now. I do believe that a Republican president would, would sort that out. It'll never happen under any Democrat, I also assure you, uh, because they are the ones who created a committee, a Soviet-style committee, without uh, the, uh, the representatives sent by the, uh, the leading Republicans to, to be on that, on that committee. Instead, they brought in two, two Democrats posing as Republicans, and we know what the, the rest of it was. They also have destroyed some, all of their documents and records, so that's how much they thought of the evidence and the records they created in investigating January 6th. And we still, unfortunately, don't have the video. Uh, and this is what, this drives me, uh, I, I'm absolutely furious that Speaker McCarthy has not come up with a better plan to get that material, that video, out to the American people. We've got to get over this idea that it has to be a media outlet that has control over this. What we do have to do is understand that the American people's right to know is absolute. And, and I, and I mean that. Uh, there are national security issues. Uh, that are reasonable and uh, make all the sense of the world. But beyond that, in an event like this, every American should know exactly what happened, who did what, 
and how. And that should be the basis of the investigation. Uh, and, and, and we should make it primacy, uh, getting those uh, hundreds of Americans who are still political prisoners of the left uh, in the gulag of D.C. and restoring them to their families and at some point, at some point, uh, creating a, a, a at least a, an understanding of what had transpired that day and why uh, the federal judges and the district uh, of the DC district courts over over sentenced and the prosecutors overcharged and hundreds of our fellow citizens are paying a tremendous price and it is simply beyond the control of anyone it seems uh, to do anything to make it right um I'm going to have to say thank you for the calls, folks. I would love to talk to you longer, and uh, and I hope that uh, we have that opportunity down the road. And thank you all for being uh, being with us here today on the Dick Morris Show. We thank you so much, and have a great, great week ahead. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is 77 WABC. And this is the Dick Morris Show. Presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. I'm glad to be with you. Uh, it's been a, a, a fun hour. I'm, I'm going to, if I may, just take up a couple of thoughts here as we're wrapping up the hour. Uh, talking about proportion, our national news media has lost all sense of proportion, I think. Uh, and I think we have to really start considering the possibility that uh, I'll, that news right now is of a different sort it is so it is so polemical and it is uh, so divisive right now uh, but facts are as uh, many have said stubborn things and the facts are not making it into into our national news people talk about left and right the republican democrat i'll just settle folks for a reasonable objective reporting of facts uh, facts like how many people are actually coming across the southern border. You won't get it from your federal government. And by the way, this is not the first time this has happened. I, I wrote a book in 2005, 2006 uh, called The War in the Middle Class. I actually had to have my team put together a, the numbers for the number of American jobs being lost. Now think about that. That was in a Republican administration couldn't get uh, actual honest numbers about the number of employees whose jobs were being shipped to uh, to China, to you name it, Romania, wherever it was. By the time we got through with that calculation, we had we had a total of three million jobs that had been shipped in the last few years by corporate America overseas for one reason and one reason only. Labor was cheaper there. And we had to report that. At this point, I'd already been blackballed by the Bush administration, so it wasn't a problem in terms of access. But the reality is, we have the same thing going on now. Is is it convenient to this administration not to give you the number of uh, illegal immigrants being shipped, uh, brought in, welcomed, and then distributed all over the country. You don't even know where. Not one of not one of us knows where those people went. 
We don't know what they're doing. We are getting some facts about how much they're being paid, which is 22000 for each family. A family is considered one adult and one child. $22,000. They're getting free medical. They're getting free education. They're getting... Uh, it just goes... It's unbelievable what this administration is doing. Now, why isn't that a big question for the White House Press Corps? Well, one thing, the White House Press Corps doesn't doesn't have the opportunity to ask the questions. So as, as much as everyone is upset about the left and the right, Republicans, Democrats in this country, we ought to be a little more upset, it seems to me, frankly, because it's more uh, profound and important, to get some sort of sense of what's actually happening in the country. What is the reality behind each one of these cultural issues? And I don't care whether it's transgender, whether it is, uh, you know, whatever the issue may be uh, of the day. How about some facts? How about some hearings? How about some research? Uh, how about investigations? And I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, but to investigate is in to probe and to deeply uh, dive into a subject and produce the facts of the American people's consumption. An educated electorate will not, I assure you, be as divided as it is now. As a matter of fact, we come together around some facts. I hope you agree. And I hope that we'll all uh, have a few more to consider uh, in the course of the next uh, few weeks, and certainly in the in the uh, election year 2024, as we head toward what will be right now a, 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 a an election that is still uncertain in its integrity and security. Hopefully, we'll get that fixed as well, folks. I've enjoyed being with you, and I thank you so much uh, for being with us and uh, and joining me. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.